Well, hello. Welcome back again to the Thursday episode of Let's Open the Bible. Russ and Gavin coming back at you again today. Sitting on opposite sides of the desk. And opposite sides of the podcast. Uh, yeah, in, 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 a, in a very real sense, since we're talking, still talking about heaven. <laughs> we're sitting on opposite sides. You know, I'm the fanboy over here that's just excited to think about these things. And, and he's the grumpy old get-off-my-lawn guy sitting on the other side of the desk. Yeah, looking forward to heaven, but with understanding that we see through a glass darkly, right? Yeah, that's, that's right. I read that somewhere. Mm. Well, Gavin's going to open us in a word of prayer, but listener, if you want to find Revelation chapter 14, verse 13, and maybe by the time he gets done rambling or praying, I mean, uh, then, uh, then you'll be there and we can read this verse together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before your throne of grace, and, and particularly uh, I would ask today that we would open your word and behold wondrous things from it, that you would give us a, enough of a taste of heaven that we will long for it. And Heavenly Father, that uh, like Isaiah had his vision of you high and lifted up and the train of your robe filling the temples and the threshold shaking and uh, uh, the, the cherubim, uh, the seraphim screaming out one to another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of your glory. Give us that view to sustain us um, as we at times walk through the valley in this life. Give us those mountaintop views that will encourage us when we look around and we see the effects of sin, ours and others, in, in, in the things going on around us. Heavenly Father, I, I may not have a, a perfect grasp of heaven. I, I'm sure no one does. But I do know that we long for it, and that is a good thing. And I do know that you give us a taste of, of it in the things, the blessings in this world. And I do know that you call us, God, to share the hope that we have of being there with you, with the people around us, that they too would long to be with you. So I ask that we would do this uh, study today with excitement. Would you do that work in my heart, in our hearts, and in the hearts of the listeners? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So Hebrew, or excuse me, Revelation chapter 14, verse 13. uh, This is John uh, saying, uh, Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Write, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. And so one of the things, Gavin, you and I talked about was that uh, the, the, the quote that you heard, or, or I forget now how you worded it, but that, that heaven would be a, a period of rest. That is, you know, our labors are now in this, in this life, and then we find a rest, Jesus said, uh, Come to me, who are weary and heavy laden, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We saw you. You looked up the, some other passages from Hebrews three and Hebrews four that talk about the rest. Yeah, and to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but those who were disobedient? So we see that they who were unable to enter, that they were unable to enter because of their unbelief, is Hebrews three eighteen and nineteen, and talking about entering into the promised land, which was a type and shadow ultimately of our resting place. And so Hebrews 4, 1 then opens with, therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us uh, fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. Like there is a longing for this eternal rest and to rest in Christ Jesus who went and sat at the right hand of God Almighty. He finished his work 
and went and sat, I think that's an indication. And I don't think this rest is a lazy rest. I don't think this rest is, you know, that you were just all lying around taking naps. But I think that there is a uh, that there is the ceasing of the uh, uh, of the striving against sin. Yeah, that's that's exactly where my mind was going too, Gavin, just that. I think there's a grind to life that maybe we're aware of to an extent that is related for the believer. That is a well, maybe for the unbeliever too. But it's a spiritual grind. There's this ten, there's this constant battle uh, for for the believer to stand for righteousness. The weight of sin and the guilt and all of those things that uh, sometimes, uh, or the conviction that that maybe we feel when we when we find ourselves. But there, it just weighs on us. These things weigh on us. Uh, yeah, you you said you said that it's a spiritual thing, and and that is absolutely true. That that there's a spiritual work and, and grind. Um, have you ever talked to somebody that's been married, let's just say forty years, and and you say, you know, what was marriage like? And and, and I have no idea what you're going to say. So what, what do they say? Well, it depends on who you ask. Okay, you know, for some, probably the most common answer. If you had to get the most common answer, what would it be? The most common answer is 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 along the lines of, you know, it's, it's been work. It's been work. Even the best families, you know, the, the, the two model, and I, and I say that with, with a little, little tongue in cheek, just because of this, the two model families in our church that had been, and, and, and one of them finished well, beautifully. And, and, you know, I'm going to take a stab in the dark, 70 years of marriage. And they both have gone to be with the Lord. But she told me that there was a point in their marriage where they almost got divorced. And I, my jaw hit the floor. Cause I mean, they were just, you know, lovey dovey. And everybody said that, that he was, you know, they had never seen him angry ever. Not that he wasn't that they had just, I mean, multiple people said that they had never seen him angry before. Many people said that they're the best marriage they've ever been around, you know, stuff like that. And she's like, yeah, we almost got divorced. Wow. And, and, and so it's not, it, it is a spiritual grind and everything is ultimately part of that spiritual grind. But in the fall in Genesis three, every single relationship was affected. So you have a relational grind in marriage in chill with children in work in, you know, you may have the best boss ever. I still bet there are things that you struggle with at times that, you know, you chafe against at times because there is a relational grind. All right. What about a physical grind? Yeah. There's a physical bone on bone at times grinding in our physical bodies, but what about physical labor? Well, in the fall, the ground produced thorns. That's right. That's part of the curse. It's part of the curse. And and so now now it's not just a perfectly productive uh, Eden and ultimately paradise, heaven, new heaven, new earth. Um, it's, it's, it's not perfectly productive. There is a physical and laborious grind. All of those grinds are, are met in with perfect shalom and peace in Christ Jesus. Amen. And we're talking about the eternal heaven here, not the the, uh, the present <laughs> heaven. So I just want to clear that up because but, but, but I know that's your favorite topic, but but bear with me. So so it's interesting that, that the Bible speaks so much of this rest that we just talked about. Mm-hmm. And we celebrate that. We look forward to that. We should. We should long for that. Uh, because I think if most of us are being honest, uh, you didn't mention age. But age is a factor to our need for rest, a physical rest. You know, I have found I'm only 54, but I certainly do not have the stamina I did a decade ago. You know, when I was when I was getting up at four in the morning and grinding for for classes and trying to be the good and faithful husband and the good and faithful father and the good and faithful employee and student and all of those things. I look back on that just 10 years ago. I look back at the and the, and I go, 
man. Yeah. So you're a second Corinthians five, the outer, uh, or sorry that while we're in this, still in this tent, we groan being burdened. Yeah. I mean, that that's that second Corinthians five part where in this tent, we groan being burdened. Um, I do want to make reference though to you. I think part of the reason we don't long for rest is we haven't practiced the Sabbath. Right. And yes. so it's interesting that you say, you know, kids don't need rest like we do. And yet kids get really excited about the weekend. Why? Because they do need rest like yeah. we do. Yeah. They do need rest like we do. And they, they, they tend to sleep longer than we do when they get it. Maybe, but I don't mean even just rest. I mean, rest. I mean, I mean, I mean a break from the grind. Yeah. I don't Which mean is rest, what we I mean just, rest. well, no, I don't mean like, oh, I'm so worn out. God didn't need rest like that. Right. God doesn't grow weary. We know that from Isaiah 40. He does I mean, I mean, he doesn't need rest like that. So what is the rest that he took on the Sabbath? So, and, and he doesn't need rest from the grind or anything like that, but he's offering us this shalom, this peace and perfect peace and rest and, and, and restoration. Um, so one of the ways that this word in, in, uh, revelation 14 is used is refresh. And, and so like, like that's what the, the, this world and our and our and our relationships and everything has been refreshed and restored and made right. Um, again, uh, there was some. Oh, the other thing though is last week looking back on it is when you were talking about a, about eschatological categories like end time categories. One of the things that I, I I've failed to see many people do is give the full gamut of possibilities. So even when you gave an example of, you know, do you believe in pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, you're operating in one small category of eschatological thinking. So when we're talking about heaven and Russ is speaking, that is from his perspective. And there are many different understandings of the meaning of each of these words, because when you read the book of Revelation, it is apocalyptic literature. It is very symbolic. And there's disagreements as to exactly the chronology of these things, the meaning of these things. The And so you have godly good people that disagree on this. So when And, and we're not going to go through the gamut of possibilities today, but I want you as you listen to Russ to be free to dig in on your own and study uh, these things because we're just, you know, Russ is operating according to scripture first and foremost, but also um, who who wrote that book? Who wrote, not the, not scripture. Alcorn? (laughs) Yeah, Randy Alcorn, right? So you're operating with, with his perspective and then Russ has worked through it personally according to scripture. But that, that doesn't mean this is the only way that godly good people view heaven. And end times and personal and corporate eschatology. So part of the e- eternal um, heaven, the rest that we're talking about in eternal heaven, is rest from things like grief and sorrow and tears. And, and all of that's laid out, of course, in Revelation. And we understand that when all things will be made new, those things that we suffer with today will no longer be the case. It's, you know, I've often used the maybe tongue-in-cheek use the expression, you know, no longer will there be a need for walkers and wheelchairs in heaven. You know, our bodies are raised glorified, and and uh, we worked through that a little bit early, uh, in in, uh, in last week, I believe. Uh, but, but the point being, I believe all of that is part of whatever is meant by rest. I believe it is a rest from those things also. It is a restoration and a refreshing from the effects of sin. Yes. So your bodies will be restored. Your minds will be restored. The noetic effect of the fall. I talk about it a lot. Your your mind is tainted and fallen. Can you imagine not forgetting anything? I bet you forget what it's like not to forget. 
I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. Yeah. Not you're, only do I forget, you're hearing, I can't hear. You're hearing. <laughs> you're my memory hearing. affects my hearing. Yeah. I was like, I don't think that's what I was talking about there. But anyways, your hearing will be restored. Your, I, I mean, I, we. let me say this. You can't imagine what it's like to be refreshed and restored like that. Yeah, we've never experienced it. We've never experienced perfection, Eden-like no. uh, situation. No. But there's another side of this, which is fascinating, because they are not contradictory, but though we don't fully understand these things. So there's also, within, within uh, eternal, the eternal state of heaven, we will find this perfect rest that, I mean, that ought to sound good to all of us. But yet, what may not sound as good is, at the same time, there's also serving. We're serving Christ. Uh, we see in, in Eden, in the pre-fall uh, aspect of Adam and Eve in the garden, they're eating, they're, they're, you know, God commanded Adam to work the ground. And so part of the curse was is that the, you know, the, the ground would then be filled with thorns and thistles. Um, um, and then we see in other places like Ephesians 2, verse 10, we are created for good works. Then we get to a place, yeah, but, but that may not be. Sorry, that, that yeah, that may, may not be, not be eternal state type right. of good works. But, but then we get yeah. to Revelation twenty two, which is uh, in this e- eternal state. It seems verse three says, "And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him." And and so there is a an aspect of the eternal state that will involve, you know, certainly we believe we'll be worshiping God. We see in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, uh, that we'll be casting our crowns at, uh, at the feet of Jesus as we're gathered around the throne of grace with multitudes of every tribe, tongue, and nation. So there's an aspect of worship for sure and rest for sure. And yet there's also some form of, I don't know if it's work or just service or how that looks exactly, uh, but I find that fascinating. Yeah, well, so... The, the probably the most compelling one for me above all is Genesis 2:15. Uh, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it and keep it is Shamar uh, uh, to guard it, right to provide and protect it to, 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 but some type of work, right? And so you've got this um, Edenic state of man. this is this is supra lapsarian. it's before the fall and not it again i know i use that word it's i don't mean it in the theological sense right there i just mean before the lapse before the fall you have work and so when things are restored to shalom uh that that perfect and right way the thing should be that perfect peace with god and with man and with 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 land i mean there's that you know all of creation groaning longing to be restored and it will be when that happens it seems like we may work. So, so then I go in my mind, okay, help me understand this. So I think there, there are many different types of people, and this is a continuum, but I'm going to broad brush stroke this and into two categories. I'm going to place people um, really stereotypically into two categories, though it's a continuum and that's not quite right. The people like me, if somebody said, hey, you just won the lottery, you, you have a billion dollars, um, I'm going to be in ministry, period. But I, man, I'm going to be traveling. You know, I, I, I let's say I weren't a pastor. I feel no need to show up the next day at um, the doctor. Let's say I were a doctor. I have no need to show up the next day at the doctor's office. I, I, I don't. I, I don't feel that need. I want to go and look at the sunsets. I want to go up, at, climb every mountain. <laughs> Suddenly, I'm who's that? Uh, Maria see. von Trapp. Oh, okay. Anyways, climb every mountain. I, I want to go visit Greece. I want to go to the the Soviet uh, Russia. I want to. I want to go visit Moscow. I want to go um, to Sub-Sahara Africa and and 
you know, I, I want to, I want to go again back to Egypt. I want, I want to travel the world and go around corners and be in awe of God's creation and goodness. Right. So that's, that's what the rest, I think just to, to stand back and be in awe. And then there are other people that say, man, if I won the lottery, I'd be back at work the next day. Not because I love my job, but I've got to do something. I go, I'm just, I got to do something. And I think they both point to maybe a little bit of what have a, a, a perverted and distorted view, but a little bit what heaven is going to be like. What, what I love about travel is to just be in awe and experience new things. And I think that the unveiling of God throughout all eternity will make any travel that I would ever want to take just pointless. Well, you know, my wife wanted to go to, to Hawaii and, and, I, and I go, but you're going to be in eternity one day. You know, I mean, and, and maybe we do go, maybe we don't go, but can you imagine just being in front of God and going, wow, wow. Okay, but what about the person that wants to work? Well, that's because you don't want to be bored. That's because you don't, you know, you 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 want to be, uh, you want to see things done. You want to. There is going to be the, an occupation in heaven that is not only not boring but is exciting, and you won't be tired, and you'll be able to focus perfectly. It will be the most glorious and satisfying work ever, whatever that may be. And it seems to be worshiping God. And the word there is that we will be a slave to worship. The doulos, it's delu, right? We we said that uh, to we will be a joyful. Um, grateful slave to worship God for all eternity. Well, I described, I think it was in the Tuesday episode, um, I described my own personal experience at, at in the car business, which I did not care for, but once I finally connected the dots that it wasn't what I did that defined me, it was my Savior, that my work was an opportunity for ministry. Once I connected that dot, then I realized that I was I had a ministry where I was. Though what I did maybe not what I wanted to do for to earn a living, I had a ministry there, and from that moment on, that work was so much easier. I no longer had that that sort of this frustration with the job because I recognized that I wasn't serving the dealership; I was serving the Lord. I just happened yeah. to work for the dealership, and and so I kind of, in some ways, I, I see this this picture of here in Revelation twenty two that whatever it is we're going to be doing. Whatever in in whatever service that is, it will be fulfilling. Yeah, satisfying. And, and it be yes, will be yeah. satisfied, and, and it perfectly won't be productive. It won't be laborious. Like right. we're not going to be weighed down with some type of burden. It, it, to, to carry out a speculative illustration that you just used, and I and I really am not as comfortable walking through this stuff as maybe you are because I, I want to go back to what we know as opposed to what may be indicated. But to to borrow your illustration. It would be like every sale. Not only you sell every time somebody walks through those doors, but they are just so appreciative and because there's perfect fellowship in heaven. There's perfect productivity in heaven. There's perfect uh, life and vigor. It won't be you sitting around at 3 o'clock in the afternoon starting to nod off because you're exhausted from waking up right. early. I mean, and it won't be like, you know, what what quote did I give that person? Your mind will be fun functioning perfectly. And again, I don't think we'll be selling cars in heaven. I'm just saying that it will be perfect. Whatever worshiping God that, that beautiful labor will be, it will be satisfying. It will be good. It will be joy-filled. It will be so. Yeah, I think one of the things that people struggle with in work on earth is contentment. And, and I think one of the things that sh I hope we, we come away from this episode and, and this kind of this discussion on heaven, I hope that we come away with maybe uh, some hope or some excitement that in heaven it will, it will not only be a perfect place, not only will we be able to enjoy the Lord and Savior, but whatever it is that we do, we will be perfectly satisfied. 
Right. And, and, and I think, of course, the focus of heaven, I said this last, last episode, the focus of heaven is God. Whatever yeah. work we're doing is going gonna, is gonna to bring glory and honor to God. It may, I mean, it really may be sitting around the throne and worshiping him as, the, as, uh, as, as joyful servants of that ministry and that worship, right? Um, but but let, me, let me borrow the illustration again one more time. So rest, what I enjoy about rest and travel and, and those things will be fulfilled in heaven. What, let's say you're going to represent the other group that, that enjoys, you know, just I, I could not work. I've got to work. I've got to work because there's some satisfaction there. Um, you will be, that, that work will be perfectly productive and satisfying in heaven. But I think that, that part of the reason we don't long for heaven is we don't meditate. Those who enjoy work don't meditate on work will be better in heaven. Those who enjoy vacations don't meditate on this is a type and shadow of rest, of that final rest, that beautiful rest. That's what maybe one of the things that bothers me about people that go on vacation and don't go to church that week. And most people that I have encountered do not go to church when they go on vacation. So what they're saying is that we celebrate the rest that is to point us to God, but we don't want God to be a part of it. And yep. any heaven that does not include God, trust me, is no heaven at all. In fact, that's one of the definitions of hell. Separation from God. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. But now we want to go and, and, and enjoy the gift of God. And, and, and listen, God is to be enjoyed. You Amen. honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. God doesn't want simply to be obeyed with the lips. He wants to be enjoyed with the heart. So if you go, oh, man, now my pastor's making me go to church on vacation, I think you're missing the point. I think we should long for vacation and rest and, and work, all those things. But I think God should be the center of it because that's going to be, that's heaven. That we should practice enjoying heaven now. We should practice thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We should view church service as a type and shadow of heaven when, when God will be the centerpiece and, and we will be around the throne and we will have an opportunity to sing Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest to God. That should be our Sunday morning, should be a shadow of what's to come. And then, like we talked about uh, uh, before, I can hold my wife's hand and say, wow, this is great, and heaven's better. I can go on vacation and say, wow, this is great, and it's pointing me to heaven, and it's going to be better. Oh, you know, paradise, the new heaven, the new earth, How, however your es personal eschatology breaks down, it's all pointing you to that. When you go, I mean, what's another thing? A boat. I said I really wanted a boat, and you go out on the boat, and you're like, man, what a peaceful day. Oh, there's going to be perfect peace in heaven. Or you say, hey, man, I'm going to a party tonight with a bunch of friends, and we're going to have a blast. What a joy, heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be in heaven. Like every good and perfect gift comes from the Father and is to point us back to the Father, for from him and through him and back to him are all things. Amen. And so, yeah, I just think we should practice longing for for. That rest, that good rest. You know what's funny? Hmm. As you as you talked through that, I was busy <laughs> yawning over here, and I was just reminded. And how he much... was. He's not trying to be rude. He was. He's over there trying not to fall asleep. Yeah. And that may be your experience as you listen to. Yeah. I'm sorry. So so uh, it's just a reminder of how much I need rest. I didn't sleep good last night, and so uh, my fear is is that many of the listeners are joining me, and that their uh, hope is is that we'll go ahead and close out this episode. Well, we're going to close out this episode, <laughs> but just so you know. That anybody that needs help with sleeping, I'm the best sedative that Russ has ever taken. Yeah, and according to his church secretary, the best laxative. So, <laughs> listener, thanks for joining us. Uh, and uh, we've shared that story before. So, uh, God bless you. Continue to open your Bible and wrestle with these things until we see you tomorrow. God bless. <laughs>